an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. In today's episode, I sit down with Marin Miller, and she is a diversity, equity, inclusion specialist. She also is a Reiki master, and she has attended many of the classes that I've taken on spiritual development. So I've asked Marin to join me on the podcast so that I could ask her some really tough questions and really get into this whole understanding of how white people can support people in the Black Lives Matter movement. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, I'm here with Marin Miller, and she is a diversity, equity, inclusion specialist, but she's also a Reiki master, correct? Is that mm-hmm. yeah, Reiki master? And she's also been in many of my classes. So I know she has a lot of the same training that I've had in the past in terms of doing energy work and uh, working with a similar teacher. Actually, she was on the podcast. So Stacia has been on the podcast. Yeah. And also you've worked with Kim, right? Kim Gifford? Yes. Yeah. I invited Marin on so that we could talk about spirituality, but also in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement. And I wanted to ask her some questions about, you know, what can we do? How can we, as listeners of the podcast, people who are spiritual, people who are white, move forward and be supportive of the movement? And I just thought she would be the best person to answer these questions at this time. (laughs) So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I will do my best. (laughs) So when I look at the energy of people who want to be of service and aren't, I see that, you know, really what's blocking people is the heart chakra. And I think that that has to do with a lot of like the pain that their ancestors have caused, they've caused, or that haven't recognized what their role has been in society. I think that's wrapped up in the heart chakras, as well as like the paralyzation that we sometimes feel like in with large systems and things like that, wanting to dismantle them, but not knowing how. So I I see that as part of it, but I also see like the sixth chakra, the third chakra and the second chakra all being engaged as well. So this Mm -hmm. is why we're seeing this paralyzation of people, not everyone, obviously, but you know, the people who want to be of service and aren't. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. like really who I want to reach is the people who are good people, maybe haven't realized that they've had this privilege, but now recognize that, want to take steps, want to be of service. So what would you recommend for people? And also please tell us your journey. Like, why did you get into this? (laughs) Because, you know, Marin is white, you know, and so she's, she's helping to educate people. So I, I really appreciate that. So tell us. Uh, Yeah, I was a art teacher for 10 years. And for 30 plus years of my life, didn't understand myself as a racialized being, as raced as white, as someone who is white. I, I wasn't able to name that or notice that. I was very much a part of the good white liberal scenario. I grew up in Minnesota, 
definitely grew up in a segregated neighborhood, a very white, affluent, upper middle class neighborhood. And so that has been and is a predictable pattern across the country where segregation exists in our country still. And therefore, because of policies, folks are separated and not in communication or not in community with folks who are other than them. And therefore, that creates this unconscious barrier that that folks don't even know. Um, And so that plays in big time because, again, I, as a white person, only could go by things that were said, not said, what I saw in the media, what I was taught, wasn't taught. And so as I was a teacher and went, and eventually the last school that I was at, the school district that I moved into and um, began work in, as a new teacher in the district, I went through a training called Beyond Diversity. And it's through Courageous Conversations About Race, Pacific Educational Group out in San Francisco. Len Singleton is a black male, and he created this protocol on how to talk about race and then offer trainings and have summits across the world now. So that was my first, yeah, it's a very profound moment in my life. Can you tell me the name of of that again? What's the name of the training? It's called Beyond Diversity. It's the first two-day training to engage with Len Singleton's work. So he has what's called the Courageous Conversations About Race Protocol. The training is to start walking you through how to use this protocol, as well as start considering and thinking about what it is to be raced, what it is to be specifically a white person and how that affects how you, how you have experienced or haven't experienced certain things in your life. Mm-hmm. So that two-day training was the start of my journey in many ways, um, where I was confronted with something that I've never been confronted before in a real, in a real way. And it resonated with me in a very very strongly. And I had been a teacher for seven or I think by that time, seven or eight years. And again, very much identified as, as a teacher, as a, as a person who was, yeah, who was good, who believed in building relationships, who believed in community. And the more that I received training and the more I was a part of conversations that were inter and intra-racial conversations around race, I started to really see how I was still playing out and living out and specifically as a teacher acting out in my whiteness, in my conditioning as a white person and had to start really reflecting on the potential harm that that meant I was perpetuating in my classroom, whether I believed it or not, or whether I unconsciously um, really, yeah. And so again, it was over a you know, it's been over a course of now, it's been over five years, but I deepened my participation or my belief in or my, my why in, in being a white person, in being anti-racist, in wanting to look at this because of the school that I was in, because of the information that I was gaining. Um, there was very real cognitive dissonance happening, but like a profound moment was, you know, a lot of folks are now watching the 13th documentary on Netflix. And I remember watching that over four years ago. And the one statistic of one in three black boys will be, participate in the school to prison pipeline because of the color of their skin and will be incarcerated. And I went to school the next day and literally could count half of my kiddos in my classroom were going to be a part of this greater, bigger system that they had no control over. 
And it was just because of the color of their skin, because of systems and policies that exist, because of racism that exists in folks in our school, that that would be the potential. And that I am also, you know, an element in that. How I interact, who I send in and out of my classroom, who I believe, who I, who I don't believe. Like, I really, had, I really started just, like, had to deconstruct and be in reflection around what the hell am I doing? Can we swear on here? What's the, oh, what yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's am explicit. I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, am, I'm not actually in many ways showing up in the ways that I thought I was. And if I really want to be here at four, four kiddos, then that means I need to continue to um, really look at my whiteness, at this conditioning, this energy almost that I've come into now that I need to extract. I mean, to be white and to have certain traits and experiences, is, it's not that you're bad or good. It's how, that, it's how it's yielded or wielded on folks. And oftentimes it comes in a form of power over. And so I'm learning about myself as a racialized being. I'm learning about how to communicate better. I'm learning about restorative practices and what it means to be in empathy and have second chances and to really like meet people where they're at, to really do things differently. And so it's in that that I, I needed that. I needed that reckoning. I needed that knowing in order to be a better person, in order to be a full authentic person, to start peeling away and look at myself in, in lots of different ways. So for me, it was the start of this bigger, greater self-development journey. It, it was the start of it. And, and this is where intersectionality to me is really important. You know, I've, I learned, my, learned that I was a racialized being and, and what that meant of how I interacted and who I interacted with and why I interacted with folks. And then that, it was like part of a string. And as I started to pull it, it was just more more and more came out of like, right. okay, I'm also, you know, like class, citizenship, gender, heterosexual, like all of these different identities that I hold, I actually hold a ton of privilege and never considered what that may mean, was in this box that I couldn't name or understand until, until that happened. With all that said, I eventually decided I, teaching actually wasn't for me. I had been in it for 10 years and I didn't want to be in the classroom anymore, but I couldn't leave that experience, those resources, that knowing that I gained by being in that school. And so when I left, it was imperative for me to find a way to influence adults, white adults specifically in the way that I needed it. Um, and so that's how I'm here now is I work for an organization where we do diversity, equity, inclusion trainings. I work with folks in my style of coaching. It's a combination of Reiki and energy work, but also white identity development. And again, in the name of white folks specifically, we have some growing up to do. We have some discovering to do. We have some unlearning to do around how we've been conditioned since we've been brought onto this earth. Yeah, that's where I'm at now. I was very much a teacher, moved into very like the activism realm. And now that I've been here in Colorado and moved out of the classroom, have seen also the connection and the necessity of healing in this and how energy work is absolutely a parallel part and, and how those kind of 
the activists and the spiritual camps need each other in that. Mm, yeah, because I, whenever you're unpacking anything about yourself, unconscious or not, it's definitely helpful to have some healing around it and be able to dismantle it. And ha- like, you have to put it somewhere. Like, you have yeah. to f- figure out where it goes. So yeah. um, having somebody who's navigated that before is absolutely necessary. So I love that you're doing the work that you do. Um, because like, I also had a very similar experience. You know, I grew yeah. up in a small town, white, upper middle class. And my experiences were really limited until I actually started teaching as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I taught an inner city school and it was very different. And, yep. it, you know, I, I've talked about this on the podcast, like how it really opened me up to so much about yep. this that I wasn't even prepared at 22 with a psychology degree to like you know, unpack. Oh. So, you oh, know, none, yeah, <laughs> it was like I was learning, um, you know, and I was floundering and, and I still yeah. can't say that I'm at all an expert or a specialist in any of this, but it's amazing how while things can be unconscious, we're still responsible for it, right? Yes. Because, you know, when we get, when we're hurting and we don't deal with it, we hurt people and yeah. it, we may be hurting people unconsciously. And that's yep. really what's kind of what's going on is like, we have these programs that, you know, are hurting other people and we need to look at those programs, dismantle them and take a look at them and actually I should say, take a look at them and then dismantle them mm-hmm. and take out the trauma uh, yeah. because we want to move forward with the wisdom of the learnings, but we don't want to be hurting other people anymore. And certainly making it a lot more safe for everyone to be in community with each other. Yep. Um, that is obviously your goal, my goal, you know, and yes. many people. Uh, I had a question for you. Let me think about this. You said so much. So I was like, I know. Oh, I want to ask her this. I want to ask her that. Um, so like what, so when, you started, yeah, so when you started unpacking all this, I mean, first of all, I met you, I think about four years ago at a Reiki circle and we started talking and I could tell you were really looking for healing. Like you were yes. um, needing it badly. So I'm guessing yeah. that was probably, you know, a couple of years into the unpacking of this. Is that correct? Yeah, I think. I've been here in Colorado, I think it'll be three years in August. And when I came down here, yeah, I mean, I'm still very new. I mean, again, I think now total maybe been in consciousness around whiteness and being racialized for maybe five, six years. Yeah. Okay. So very, very much like still in an angry state and very a harm state of like, and that there's a right or a wrong way to be anti-racist and very frustrated with white folks of just not getting it. So definitely more charged. Right. And now, and I can tell that by our conversation right now, um, based on the conversation we had then, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what healing does. Right. So like you can be of service to people way more when you've moved your trauma. Right. And then you can really speak from wisdom and, um, your truth. So that's excellent. Like you're the perfect person to be speaking about this from that angle, you know, of Mm -hmm. somebody who's been through healing and, you know, all the while, I mean, you've always had the right intention, right. You've always been a good person. Like you said, but you had this unconscious programming that you started to unpack and you were like, whoa. Yeah. So what, what do you think worked the best for you? So you say energy healing, is there anything in particular that you think really was beneficial or was it all just kind of helpful? Yeah, I think it's all, I mean, it's all built on each other. Um, when I was still teaching back in Minnesota, that was actually the first time I ever got Reiki. I was getting really bad third eye headaches as a teacher. And um, I think part of it was because I just kept, there's holding this tension of, should I stay? Should I go? Am I really going to leave this decade career? Reiki was definitely the only thing that would help me get rid of it, that specific type of headache. And so I had already like, yeah, experienced Reiki and knew that something, something was happening and it was beneficial, but 
it was still very surface level. And so, yeah, when I came to Colorado, Reiki definitely was the first way that I jumped into some some major healing with Tekla and, and did the Reiki share right away until I could go through and and get the training. Um, so for me, it was Reiki first. And then, yeah, as, as you stated, I'm, I've been with Stacia now for the last two years um, and in her grad class. And that just has deepened, you know, and it is more regular where it's every week that I'm deprogramming something extra. And as well as building my muscle as an anti-racist white person. You know, I've just had that much more practice all at the same time happening. But yeah, in this moment, I, you know, especially after what is what happened over the last 10 days, two weeks, specifically around George Floyd's murder, it's, it's, was a, it's been a very interesting experience because um, it is now four or five years later from when I was in Minnesota and Philando Castile was murdered. And I was a part of Black Lives Matter protests then. And again, very much new in this understanding and wanting to be anti-racist and wanting to be better. And in my sense of urgency and um, kind of like, I've got to do this and made mistakes there. And now five years later, a murder of a black man has happened again in Minneapolis, the same place, the same state. It's many of the same folks, activists, protesters who are out on the streets again. And now a lot of my white friends, white family, white folks that I know who were very resistant to it five years ago are now open to it being that racism exists and that they're, they're complicit in it in some way and wanting to do something about it. And so um, I've had to, or I've had the experience of seeing this pattern, <laughs> this like one that there's this kind of collective fuss that happens and then it kind of calms down in a sense mm-hmm. and then things kind of go back to normal. And so that, here's, here's another, for whatever reason, this has become a national or international. Globally, uh, yeah. Global, yeah. And, you know, I think there's lots of reasons for that. But yeah, I mean, I can see how I was five years ago to where I am now in a very similar context or scenario and how I can be, again, less charged, more neutral, in compassion and empathy for where a lot of folks are now because I I was there at one point. Mm -hmm. And also being challenged to find empathy for folks in that, you know, not to go back to that, why didn't you know this? Or, oh, now you're, you're going to pay attention. That's just been a unique scenario for me to kind of notice patterns, to see the change in myself and to see the change in folks around me. And so, yeah, that's just been a very interesting thing to process and navigate. Before we get into like, let's say the top five things that white people should do, (laughs) I want to just like quickly touch on this idea of like these... Definitely Americans, I can say, you know, have this like weird ability to like recognize something like, for instance, like Britney Spears, like shaving her head and like going crazy. And then everybody's like, oh my God. And then it's like, they forget about, and then they're still buying her albums and she's still very famous and like, you know, whatever. It's like these, these things come up and then people, you know, forget about them and and it happens all the time. And then especially in real circumstances, like the one that you're talking about where, you know, same place, another black man, like 
what is the difference here? And there is a difference. Like you yeah. and I are very aware of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's quite divine the way that it's yeah. working out. Yeah. It's kind of pretty amazing. Oh, it makes like, my spine tingle. I know. I just, actually, I got that too just now. Like it, as tragic and awful as it is, right? I, and mm-hmm. it is horrible as what happened happened. I believe that if we had not been in quarantine and been, Mm -hmm. you know, exposed to the Schumann resonance that's changing our brain waves and making us more awake and the time at home being more awake, like we may not have noticed it, right? Because we get so um, conditioned to be in this rut or like autopilot that we're like, Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. That's happening. And then it's like back to my normal thing, you know, like I'm going to go back to sleep, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then I just think that it is divine the way that it's happening and it's happening globally, which is another thing that the pandemic was doing. Right. So it was yeah. everybody is waking up and noticing that yeah. this is happening across the board. And I just want to hear more of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think there is an element of, and I, I've been talking with Stacia and Kim and my class and other folks that are in the spiritual world as well. And I'm just curious, my own role in this, right? Because what we're seeing is this very real, louder dissonance, right? That there's there's one side or the other, that it's good or bad, it's right or wrong, you wear a mask, you don't wear a mask, you're anti-racist or you're racist, So there's this dichotomy that always exists, which is a white supremacy culture trait, that there is one or the other, that that we can't find this gray and that it's not both and, that all of these things actually exist at the same time. And so for me, that's what I'm coming into a little bit more is like there's elements of truth of all the things that are existing and happening right now and that there is a part in this for us as a consciousness for the greater good of all that this is happening for a reason and it's happening for a reason at this point. And I think that's part of also my, you know, reflection of five years ago to now of, wow, I've put in a lot of work and I've been doing what I can to get to a point to potentially be of service in the way that I've always thought I could be, especially for white folks. And so there are moments where I'm like, is this, is this really (laughs) happening? (laughs) Like, it's horrible. And also like, this feels like you said, divine. Right. Well, and, you were following your heart. You were you yeah. knew that you wanted to be of service and you did the work and, and now here you are. You're ready yeah. to be a teacher of and, this. Yeah. And like I was put in that, like I got that job. I was in that school district. I was in that school. I, I gained those experiences for a reason. Absolutely. And so, and so that's, I mean, I'm questioning too. Like I know that there are some folks who don't want to look at race, that don't want to do identity politics. And yet that's all there is. Like politics is about our bodies in some way or another, that there's a right or a wrong, that you either you're able-bodied or you're not. And therefore systems and ideas and ways of being are formed around that or not. So yeah, I just, there's a lot happening at the same time. And the thing that I'm seeing, especially in the spiritual world, which is predominantly white folks in many ways, right, is this really wanting to hold on to, but we're all one, we're all human beings, we all want to be seen as authentic folks. And to me, you know, like, okay, so what is my role in this? Like, yeah, I believe that too. And I think that's the very like gray that I want to hold is race is a social construct and we exist in it right now in this 3D plane, in this human experience. And so I have gained experiences to understand that very plainly. (laughs) Like I, I, I get that. And also 
right? Like I want folks to, for that to not to be the case that we are read by our skin color and therefore there are assumptions made, therefore actions are taken or not. So how do we, how do we get to that point? How do we get where race is no longer a construct that, that people uphold, that idea, ideologically and systematically we keep real? We can't get to that point, right? If we don't look at this, this racism, white supremacy, white body supremacy is here, is an energy, is a shadow that a lot of folks are now, again, willing to look at. But there's still a lot of, a lot who don't want to, who want to jump over here right away before the hard work, which, again, doesn't correlate, right? Like any other part in our lives where we feel like a lot of the things that you said, to grow is to, to change, is to look at where we've been hurt or harmed or where there's trauma or something to be looked at. And to me, that is what this is. I, I look at it the same way. Yeah, I wouldn't ever hold anybody accountable in a negative way mm-hmm. for hurting other people and not knowing that they were hurting them. But I would say this is what you're doing, and this yeah. is you know the programming that you received, and whether you like it or not, it's running. Yep. Um, and let's let's dismantle it if that's what you want, like to yeah. to not be running that programming and and having that orientation to the world and that belief and being a part of this system that is unfair, yeah. um, to say the least. To say the least. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. Like, it's, and again, specifically for white folks, it's not if you're running racism. We are. It's mm-hmm. how you're running, running racism. How are you participating in it? It might not be that you are a part of a KKK clan or out um, looting and rioting and, and damaging a very powerful movement for black lives, but there are internalized beliefs that folks hold, and therefore that interacting with and being interpersonal with folks, then that definitely plays out there. But also it's a part of like the bigger, greater systems that we exist in, especially mm-hmm. in schools and the policies that we hold right. and the laws that we have. Like that is part of what the Black Lives Movement is sharing is that police brutality is a part of this bigger, greater system and that we have to understand the historical context of why and how it exists now and, and why people want to defund it or dismantle it. Because it was created to keep black folks in line. It was a slave patrol. That's where it stemmed from. And it's only morphed into something different, but it is still it is still a way to keep black and brown indigenous bodies in line. So there's very much a race-based belief and again a way to wield power over folks. And so that we need to be able as white folks to see that bigger, greater context. And again, we're not experiencing the day in and the day out frustration, murder, violence that folks of color endured every day. Yeah. We cannot actually fathom right. how it is to be over-policed as an adult, but also as children. You know, we do it in our schools in very in different ways. I was looking into the defunding of the police and um, just looking at what is the point of that? Like what will be accomplished from that? Like what is the point of bringing that up along with Black Lives Matter? Obviously there's the obvious points of like, there's too much police brutality, but like when you start looking at the numbers of where the money is allocated, it does make more sense if we want to move to this, you know, more community-based, more awareness, more healing, more connection, we're going to need to address the trauma. And I, I personally 
have had an agenda to get into the schools to help with the emotional trauma that kids are experiencing. And what a great way to, on both sides of the coin, you know, to help kids, whether they're black or white, to deal with this based on trauma, based on, you know, it'd be different trauma, obviously, but bringing about awareness. Yep. What are like the top five things that people should, if they want to be of service, because I know a lot of people are just paralyzed because they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They are in complete support, right? but I mean, I've been in a lot of conversations with white folks and that, that is definitely the theme of like, there's this real paralyzation of, of that. We have to get over that in some, in some way, like step right. one, Anne Braden is a, is a, a white ancestor who was a part of the civil rights movement. And one of her quotes is like, the first thing white folks can do is, is to speak up. And so it's not necessarily that you need to speak up. And have like the Black Lives Matter agenda memorized. It's more that you are able to speak on and, and have awareness around that you have been raced. You are raced as white or raced as whatever your skin color is. And that, that has been made meaning. There is, we as humans have put a context or a meaning around that. So one, like, are you aware of that? And do you have awareness around what even whiteness, white fragility, white privilege, what kind of all those terms mean and how those play out in you? I think what I'm going to move into with my own business, again, I, I do Reiki and he- energy healing work, but also coaching. And for me, for white folks, there's three elements. It's the knowledge piece and the historical context piece and the analysis piece. So I need to know that it's not just that there's people saying racist things to each other, that there is actual systems in place that are harming people, that are killing people, that are, that are incarcerating people on purpose because right. of the color of their skin. Then for me, over time, again, like I've built my, bus- my muscle in terms of just communication skills in, in ways to ask questions, in ways of sharing my authentic truth as well and, and making those mistakes, speaking up and making a mistake and potentially getting feedback and then receiving the feedback in, in humble and a curious way and like, okay, now I know this and now I can change or now I can, this is still information I need to find out more about. So it's like looking in the, the nooks and crannies, you know, like <laughs> what, is, what am I still missing? Because it's unconscious, right? It's, yeah. And, so. it, and again, like I said, the more that I pull on my string too, it's, it's still race-based, but then I'm looking at my privilege as an able-bodied person. And I, and I don't know what it is to be hard of hearing or to um, be living with a disability. So there's different things that, again, places and spaces that I just, I need to keep shining lights on and mm-hmm. keep looking at. And then the third piece is this healing piece is, is using energy work in whatever realm is useful for you, right? There's lots of different ways and lots of different modalities, especially here in Boulder County, right? That there is no right or wrong way. There's lots of different communities that are here to help and support in this way, but to get that healing work and to honestly, to get coaching, to get support, to have accountability, to be in community, Reese Mamenikin is one of the black men that I hold in such high regard because he helps, again, bring this anti-racist healing lens to me. His book, My Grandmother's Hands, is blown up right now for very good reasons. But he um, believes and shares that, you know, white folks, we need to actually create a new culture. We need to be in community with each other and heal this. And again, I think a lot of white folks are confused too because there's a lot of directives at them on social media right now and and from folks in terms of feedback of how to show up, you know, like 
shut up and, and listen or, but silence is, you know, is violence and complicit. And, and so there, there is a lot of confusing messages out there that would get folks in a bind of like, I I don't know what the fuck to do. Right. It's very real. And so again, things that need to kind of happen simultaneously. Yes. Like diversify your feed. Like, do you have black people? Do you have people of color in your life? Why don't you? Why is that? Can you at least diversify your social media so you're not just getting one narrative that's coming through your stream? There is countless books and articles and podcasts to start learning about multiple perspectives and other experiences in this world and other bodies. And so there's that happening, but also as white folks, there's a call for what we call caucuses or affinity spaces where we can do this grief work, where we can do this healing work, where we can be angry, where we can be sad, where we can be mad, we can be upset really about how we, what we've lost. I, as a white person, I've lost my connection to my ancestors. I'm a German Norwegian descendant, but my ancestors had to give up their way of being in order to assimilate to whiteness, to be a part of this American dream. And so there's a lot of like uncovering and healing in my own lineage and like relearning what it is to be me. It's, it's okay to be white. We actually have an, I have indigenous practices. I just don't know them because of this ideal that folks had to kind of come into. So healing, communication, and knowledge are kind of like the three pillars for me. And I don't like to say that there's like a checklist for folks. It's, it's again, like just start somewhere. But there has to be a lot of grace. Um, you know, a lot of folks, again, I, I'm very kind of resistant to say that I'm an expert. I've just, I've been working my muscles a little bit longer than some folks. But as a white person, I, I can only be an expert in my own experience and what it is to be learning about race. And yeah, it's, it's, it's messy. <laughs> it is. But mostly it is because I've made mistakes. Like I have made a ton of mistakes and therefore I've learned from them and can now share with other folks like, yep, this is what I've done. And now I do this, or this is what I thought. And now I think this, and here's a resource for that. Or yeah, let's talk about it. It is hard to talk to your family or friends um, and not get upset. And there's lots of elements to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All of this just reminds me of the various ways in which I've come out, you know, (laughs) of the closet Um, Mm -hmm. and just the realizations. And it is, it's identity shifts, right? To what you feel comfortable owning. Yeah. And like a lot of folks too, I've heard, especially last week, like I should go protest. I need to be protesting. And no, you don't, not everyone has to do what other people are doing, right? Like it's, it is this getting into a sense of autonomy around what is my role in this work. That's been another interesting kind of new learning for me over the last week is Five years ago, I would have been a part of the protest. But now, because of the work that I do, I'm actually more useful as a trainer, as a coach. And so it's not putting my body on the line. It's to be ready for mentally, physically, emotionally to have the capacity to hold folks in the mess. Mm-hmm. And so it's finding ways that feel authentic to you to be about it. And so maybe that's joining the NAACP or a surge group and finding ways to um, affect change in your school or or maybe it's just that you're have a family and you're you're just trying to hold it together for your kiddos but also authentically show up and like this is what's happening in the world and this is how it's affecting me and this is why and so there's different 
avenues and routes that you can find are real to you and um, make sense for you. And are still supportive. Yeah. There's not one way to do it. There's not one way to do it. Yeah, again, just because you're not saying all the things on social media or not out on the streets on the protest doesn't mean you're not about it. Mm -hmm. it and that's what, as an organization, we are trying to relay the message to you that this is a long haul. This is work till you leave this earth. This is continuous conversation, reflection around how am I showing up? Why am I showing up? And it is it from this conditioned, unconscious thing. Because as we know, in any growth cycle and anything that we're looking at, right, like it comes back and it's wondering if it's going to show up in our lives similarly or have we learned something and are we going to shift it or react to it differently? And racism and understanding ourselves and the different identities we hold is the same thing. I'm so glad that you said that about just do what you can. I think that that being paralyzed is is definitely not where it's at, um, especially for yourself, like just for your own healing. But I think a lot of times with our own healing, regardless of race, we can get stuck in the mess and be like, whoa, is this too much? And now and then check out. But it's, I think what I was noticing with um, the energy that's coming up around the heart chakra is that it's really hard to stay present with it. It's really hard to know yeah. that you were a part of it, whether you were actively a part of it or you were unconsciously part of a system that developed it. And that's, I mean, there's that line too, right? Like, so as white folks, we are seen as the default and our experience means that we actually don't have to exist in race, right? Like we could live without having right. our, what, I, what I like to call is our, our race lens. Like li literally think of them as glasses. Like mm -hmm. I can wear them or I cannot. I can look at my experience right now from a racialized lens or not. Right. And so getting curious about when is that happening? And if it's happening, is it because you just need to take a rest for the afternoon or for a couple of days and recharge? Okay. But is it because you just, you are so paralyzed or unsure of what to do and therefore you just go into complete inaction? That is not useful. Right. Um, and again, I, I had the similar experience last week, right? Like I am no good to the mo movement if I'm completely decapacitated. If I'm completely overwhelmed by collective energy, if I'm completely overwhelmed by not having good boundaries and being there for everybody in the way that I would like to, like it's the same thing. I have to be able to figure out how I can remain in this, whether it's a sprint and you're like, you're passing the baton, like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this 400 and now it's your turn and then it'll be my turn down the road. Mm -hmm. Or also like as a marathon too, of like, how do I keep myself in this? I need to have my gummies. I need to have my water. I need to have my rest. You know, like, how do I stay in this? This moment that happened is huge, but it's never going to go away. And it's, right. it's more about what are we going to do now? Now I understand this. Now I see this as something. What am I going to do about it? Doing something is better than nothing. Yes. It's still shocking to hear some people uh, and saying, oh, well, I don't understand <laughs> like right. that I have this privilege. Like the fact that you're just saying like they're a lens and you get a chance to put it down, like that is not the case for black people or people of color. Nope. Like they don't get to put down the lens. So I would recommend anybody who's going through this, obviously, to tap. Um, that's a great yes. way of helping to release some of the trauma and to rewrite yes. programming and be able to feel neutral in your body to these experiences so that you don't have to check out in order to stay safe um, with yourself. Because that, again, like we said, is just unhealthy. We want to stay present. We want to move through this. We want to have the, put this behind us, essentially. You know, we want to create a new earth, a new way of having community and 
I love that it's just bringing about so many different things that have been ailing in our society. And, yeah. um, and while it's very tragic that it has to look like this, you know, <laughs> healing is not always pretty. Like I always say to people, like right. there's healing crisis. This is a healing crisis that we're going through. And it actually, you know, makes sense from a historical context, right? It's been 400 years of the same old shit. It's just yeah. looked differently, right? And now... Right. And, 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 and in the spiritual community, everybody's saying we're going to this new, yeah. you know, 5D where we're, you know, yep. crumbling systems. Well, guess what? This is it. This is <laughs> We're in it. And it's yeah. actually like the next how many years, you know, it's yeah. not again just this moment. Right. It's going to be in how we... Yeah, really look at our systems, really look at how we are. I mean, COVID was already kind of getting us to look at that, but it also like gave us more an excuse to like separate further even and further into maybe folks with privilege. Like I get to go into my home and all those things. But yeah, we're like literally having to, yeah, deconstruct, restructure what what was happening. And it's happening on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this Black Lives (laughs) Matter is one piece to it, right? Like we still have I of detention centers we still have like there's still so much to continue to put um our spotlight on and to really look at right and it really does seem like a divine plan to put us all in timeout to really just unpack all this shit <laughs> um so i'm so glad that you did start unpacking that shit and you know 10 years ago or five years ago yeah but essentially 10 years ago or 15 years ago, even, you know, when you were a teacher, you said yes to teaching and you said yes yeah. to those kids and you said yes to the journey, right? Yeah. So I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and being here and, you know, your honesty around the fact that you have made mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. And yes, we will get yelled at or, you know, somebody might have feedback for us that we may not like, but it's important to listen and take that feedback and, and do something with it that's constructive rather than destructive in terms of themselves or other people, you know, don't hurt people, hurt people. So try to transmute that energy, see what you can do through energy healing or EFT or meditation or go for a walk. You know, just everybody's got different things, like whatever it is, work through that stuff and, and try to stay present, try to stay in your own healing and the healing for the planet. Yeah. It's through relationships with self and it's through relationships with others. We need, we need to build again, community and relationships and create a new culture as white folks, but also get curious around. Yeah. How has white supremacy, whiteness, the policies, housing policies and things actually affected who is in our lives and, mm. and, and that as well. And one other piece that you said too, you know, and I've heard similar effects around there's a lot of directives on Facebook and specifically from black women and, and white folks new to this are, you know, like running over here and running over there and like trying to follow all the directives. And there's this element too. again, no matter what you do or how you do it or where you are in this movement, especially as a white person, there might be folks of color who are, who are just not going to be about you and it's not going to be good enough. And you're, you still should do it anyway. And Mm -hmm. so there's this element around like any other self-development we do, right? We have to find our own autonomy. We have to find our own space and like truth in it. And again, find what our lane is and what is authentic for us to be a part of it. And then again, commit to it always. (laughs) This is never going to go away. I guess that's for me, you know, like I had such a deep why of when I left the school that that is what has remained me grounded in and continuing to pursue this work and to be of service in this way. 
thank you for saying all of that. I do agree that it's not up to them to accept us, you know, just because we just were doing something about it. (laughs) Yeah. That shouldn't be why you do it. Right. Right. No, exactly. You know, I never should you be doing something for the acceptance of others, like do it for you. But I just wanted to say, like, I actually saw somebody who is, who is a white male (laughs) and um, quite spiritual. And I was, I thought he was pretty interesting because he's had several awakenings and I've watched them actually two men, two white men. Yeah. And they're like, why is it that it's not all lives matter? So I do want to just address that quickly mm. before we leave. And, sure. you know, of course, when I first heard about it, I am like, oh yeah, all lives matter. I get all that. All lives do matter. All lives do matter. So we're not saying that. <laughs> but what we're saying is, and there was a post about this that was like, if my house was on fire, you wouldn't be like, all houses matter. <laughs> You'd be right. like, this house is on fire. This is the house that matters right now. You know, and as somebody from the LGBTQ, uh, whatever the letters, less, I mean, I, <laughs> there's other letters. <laughs> yes. You're like, what are they? I'm sure you know it. The LGBTQ yeah. plus. I don't know. Yeah, it changes. Yeah. Too it changes a lot. And so yep. it's hard to keep up. But as a member of that, like I would be upset if somebody said, you know, at Pulse, like, well, all nightclubs matter or like all right. people of yeah. whatever matter. And it's like, no, right now the matter at hand is this. And there's reasons for that. So like, go a little deeper, you know, stop being such a privileged person, really, you know, that you can say, oh yeah. One guy was like, if black lives matter, then who's the next race? You know, I'm like, what? You're kidding me. No, I I mean, there's kind of two elements to that, right? So there, I'm seeing that coming from some like really like sentient spiritual beings too, that I just really do feel like on a spiritual level, they, they are on this other level on the earth plane and they are here to share that. But there is that problematic piece. Wait, here to share what piece? The piece of all lives matter. Like there's right. just that, that what we should be worried about is that we're all humans and that we all, we all need to come together, like unity kind of stuff. And I get that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All lives matter. Yes. We want that. But yeah, specifically in this moment. How are we going to get there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess that's to me the, the frustrating part is, yes, all lives matter. That's We're not saying that all lives don't matter. We're saying right now that we're focused on this specific group that are telling us they are hurting. They are murdered in plain sight. sight. Yeah. On video. This is nothing new. This has happened over 400 years and it is specifically happening in this way two black bodies and you are not listening. You are not believing you are not understanding. And we are trying to get you to understand that this is our experience and this is what we need from you. Right. There's no way that this is a one-off experience. Like you could countless, countless, countless information's out there around how this has happened in various ways. Maybe it wasn't videotaped every single time, but it's there. And there's definitely some video, other videos, which by the way, we should not be sharing. No, I do believe that does traumatize people. And it both, black and white people, but mostly black people because it's their people, you know, that's being traumatized over and over. I mean, it's always been happening, but yes, now we, we are in this digital age that we are seeing video that we are seeing that in like very quick time that a murder happened in front of us. And there are still folks who are, who are so disconnected, who Mm -hmm. are so unconscious that will watch a video like that or hear a story like that and still deny it or still be in a place of, yeah, but all lives matter, but I'm going to still discredit you because I don't want to actually look at how this is also me, how I'm a part of this. Mm. Um, and yes, looking at black lives matter does not mean that we, we're not looking at what has happened again to our Brown brothers and sisters in terms of ice, in terms of immigration and how, I mean, there's countless folks 
who need us to pay attention to their real life experience and do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is this hierarchy again of how you experience the world and white cis male is at the top of this. And so there to me is a very big problem when white cis males with a huge platform are spouting that all lives matter, that they're not owning their kind of piece in this. Because again, Mm -hmm. we we need to look at how anti-blackness exists across the world. It is a global pandemic. It is, it is a virus. Racism is a, in itself a virus that we all need to look at. And if you are not a black person, it is, well, I mean, even if you are a black person, it is something that you may have internalized and play out. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's a very complex scenario but yes all right I- any healing is complex especially <laughs> yes. where, you know as you're like I mean I can't even begin to tell you and I'm sure you're the same um where you think you've healed something and then you come around you know yep. six months later and you're like how is that still there <laughs> how am I still experiencing this next level of this exactly. and it will be that unwinding and that healing and it will look messy probably for a while but hopefully we can, enough people are going to wake up. And, and I do believe that there's a vibrational shift that's happening on the planet that's accelerating this in, in a good way, uh, but also it looks ugly and disgusting. And I tend to heal, like I, Stacia will tell you, she's like, I will be like all in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care how messy, how, how big a growth period, like I want this, I want to work through this. Yeah. And that seems like what we are going through is like an accelerated form of this. However, you know, we're going to have to, we'll, we'll probably sit with it, you know, reorient our energy for some time. And then the next thing level will come, the next healing will come. And eventually, yes, all lives will be mattering the same way. And everybody will be experiencing um, life similarly, you know, in terms of social systems and oppression and things like right. that. Right. Yeah. And I guess that for all lives to matter, for all of us to experience our root, be like truly our full authentic selves, then we need to look at the folks who have the most intersecting marginalized identities, right? So if you are black, if you are trans, if you are disabled, like there are folks who do not have all that they need in this world. And until we can support the folks who are marginalized the most, nth degree, until we can get them to a point that they have received all that they need, that they can be a part of this world, then all the rest of our bodies, all the rest of our lives will, you know, like once we can do that, it can only benefit the rest of us. I think the kids today are really cool. I think they're coming up very aware, very awake. Um, with Z is on it. <laughs> who, what, yeah, the, the Z, yeah, I know. Oh, I actually have one living with me right now. Um, she comes out every summer and we have discussions and stuff like that. And she's, she and her friends are on it. Oh, I just wanted to mention like the whole defunding of the police because it does Mm -hmm. scare people, obviously. When you look at other countries and the amount of deaths that are happening from the police, it is so astronomically less that something, whether you believe in defunding the police or not, it's important to look at those numbers and say, why is this happening? And then you'll probably come up with defunding the police, you know, and it's not that we don't want police, right? We want to have safety, but it's what we need to do is have some other money allocated towards the reasons why these kinds of things are happening. And, um, and it's again, another reason why I want to get into the schools and help the kids get rid of their trauma, regardless of who they are, what color of skin they are. We all have trauma, but yes, black people could use this as well. And then we're going to have a society and a generation that's going to grow up and have less trauma and there'll be less illness, less mental illness, less um, anxiety and depression and, um, and less mental illness. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think just get really curious about and and read up on what defunding actually means. I mean, we've been defunding education for I know. years. You know, <laughs> yeah. like defunding means, yeah. How about and, school lunches? Like, how you about know? you know, like yeah. it's and it's more like okay, this we're actually more prepared to be at war with our citizens than we are for anything else. You know, like how is it that police have Lamborghinis that have all, you know, like there's, they've got a lot of toys and things that actually we don't need. You know, what if we spent some more money towards counselors, social workers, uh, more of a community base, like, or mental health, you know, like there are different scenarios that we can be responding to differently. We don't need to be coming at folks with guns, with, you know, as a whole, our police system is teaching, is about. Yes, there are plenty of good people good folks who are part of the police force mm-hmm. and yet they are part of this greater bigger system that is not for everybody that is actually out there harming killing hurting folks on purpose and so it's part of that like i need to look at and understand the bigger greater system and yeah what is actually being asked what has being asked is not astronomical <laughs> right right and and you know i have a friend who's on the police force and she's a lesbian and um she's a wonderful kind person and we've had conversations and i said what are they offering you in terms of uh, mental health help yeah. i've yeah. also talked to um people who are emts you yep. know what are they offering you? there's nothing Nope. There's very that's little. the thing, right? Like they are also being like in disservice, being disserviced in this as well. Right, like they are right. not being supported to do the very hard work that, you know, that work they do is trauma work. They are constantly coming up against very- People in like, trauma. People in trauma and their bodies reacting and going into fight or flight. And, and there are, there's bound for things to happen because right. our bodies take over. And if we are not settled bodies, if we have not done our healing, especially if we are EMTs or police or folks who constantly go in these high stress situations, then yeah, there's bound to be very astronomical mistakes that will happen. That's what should be part of the conversation too, is actually, instead of more guns, how about we actually give people mental health support? Right. All you need is one traumatic experience that you know, will light up all the rest of the other traumatic experiences. I mean, they, they're going into very similar situations and then the body just does what it does, you know? And again, if, especially the race part of it, if we are not, if we're not aware of the biases that we hold, then again, there are, there are responses our bodies are taking over and doing from a race lens with stereotypes in mind, with responses in mind that are not okay, that are right. Well, I mean, as, as you know, I'm sure you go into reptilian brain. It's not where you're in your forebrain where you're thinking and logically and problem solving and aware of your uh, self and your programs possibly, or how you might be using a lens that you probably shouldn't be to to handle the situation. So, Anyway, that, this has been an awesome conversation. Yeah. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and Thanks sharing with them. And um, we're going to list definitely some of the resources that you have, how to get in contact with you. You mentioned some speakers and some um, activists and some books and things like that. So that'll all be listed as well for anybody yep. who's interested. So thank and you. The, yeah, and the organization I work for is Building Bridges. And we actually just opened up um, what we're calling Groundwork. It's, it's a one-off session and it is a start in a place and it's a, a caucus. So there is a one session for white folks and one session for black indigenous people of color. And so those are some very easy, quick trainings to kind of also participate and start somewhere. Great. Thank you for that. Thank you.
all content provided by Amy Stark and her guests on the Ophelia Podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist. 